You're listening to Gospel-Centered Rest, a podcast by Grace Bible Church in Cambridge, Ontario, dealing with topics of life and theology, and how Christ's promise of rest for the weary and heavy-laden gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Well, we are back with another episode of Gospel-Centered Rest. Last several weeks, we've been talking about how the current circumstances of the world have been impacting uh, all of us and impacting our church, uh, impacting our daily lives. But most importantly, how does God's Word relate to those things? How does the Gospel give us the answers and the hope, even during something like a lockdown or a stay-at-home order when you're feeling isolated and alone? And one of the themes, David, that you've been bringing up in your sermons the last few weeks has been that of faith and why during a time like this, it really is a test of faith. And when we go through situations like we're going through, the question really becomes, do I really believe what I believe about God, His presence, Him being with me, Him caring for me, Him having everything under control under His sovereignty? And so this past week, um, you had preached on Hebrews chapter 11 to Hebrews chapter 12 and focused on some of the examples that we see in faith uh, through Hebrews chapter 11. So why do we need Hebrews 11? Why do we need a great cloud of witnesses? Why do we need these examples of faith in the past? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great question. Um, and the, the series that we've been going through, uh, we've talked about growing faith. Uh, are we praying that the Lord matures our faith during this time? And then a fighting faith. So faith isn't passive. Uh, We are given grace, but we also are given strength to fight for faith, um, to battle for belief, even in very difficult times when the world's telling us otherwise or when, when even our own hearts are telling us otherwise that we can't trust God. And so I thought this past Sunday we would do enduring faith um, and one of the things that struck me, even before we get to Hebrews 11, was just uh, how tired the people seemed in the Sermon to the Hebrews. Yeah. We, like, I, I, and, and I don't know if I've thought about that before, but just even the, the thought of drifting away or um, even what we uh, saw in the context of Hebrews 11, Hebrews 10, talking about, but we're not those who draw back and are destroyed. And I was just thinking of that line and thinking, you know, times when I'm tired or exhausted, I, you do. You, that's exactly what I want to do is I want to draw back um, either because I feel destroyed or because I think I will be destroyed if I don't draw back. Mm-hmm. And so I thought Hebrews 11 was this amazing picture culminated in Hebrews, the beginning of Hebrews 12, of uh, culminating in Christ as our great example. Um, and these people mm-hmm. led difficult lives, but uh, the Lord sustained their faith and they endured in faith. So I, I love, I love the, the picture that's given in the context of Hebrews, which battles for Christ, the centrality of Christ, for tired, exhausted people. Um, and then you have this chapter that just gives example after example, um, illustration of enduring faith. Yeah, you could almost really relate that to now. I think a lot of people are feeling fatigue spiritually, emotionally, physically even, just from uh, being in 
being in the situations that we are and you're reading the news you brought this up a few weeks ago you're reading the news and you're just it just adds to that fatigue adds to that anxiety um byron when we look at this passage we see these giants uh, of the faith in scripture but yet they didn't have perfect faith they had like a messy faith at times they were probably considered faithless they had their moments where they um where they didn't listen to what god had to say and they did their own thing now why would god choose to put these people in this passage as this example i mean wouldn't it have been better for him to pick the perfect example somebody that doesn't have a messy faith somebody that always made the right choices and made the right decisions why do we read of rahab why do we read of um abraham why do we read of noah i mean all these people they had their they had their their pretty significant issues i would think that's exactly why they're there is because they weren't perfect people um i guess there's a place for us to uh, see an example that really seems way further than we are um it can be something we stretch for, and the Bible has those as well in, in different areas. But I think a chapter like this is just so down to earth. Sometimes, you know, we, we get the idea that these, oh, we're super holy people, or they're totally different than me. Um, I read about these Bible stories, and maybe you've heard them since you were a kid, and you forget how real they were. And as you said, they had their issues. The Bible doesn't cover up their faults. It doesn't paint them in sort of golden tones. But each one of them, as you stop and chew on their circumstances, think, wow, what was it like to go through that? And that whole theme of they weren't seeing what they wanted to see. It wasn't being delivered to them on the platter the way they would have liked to. And although some of them have incredible stories of what God did, the writer points out others of them really got the short end of the stick in the way that we might think of their experience. And yet he says, all together, all together, these ones were commended for their faith. So you think, okay, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have it all together. But that choice to trust God when it's not easy, when I don't see it, when it's a struggle they were there and they did it so they're they're basically saying yeah god came through for us and he'll come through for you too and and to build on that byron it's not just even the those who had faith but it's the circumstances that they found themselves in so abraham's all alone wandering um, in a land surrounded by uh, you know those who are not his people uh, Moses is in the heart of uh, the most powerful nation. Uh, so you can imagine the riches that he saw, the life that was ahead of him, um, the power that could have been him being named the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, and, um, and then uh, you even think of uh, verse 32 that talks about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, uh, just those four living in one of the darkest days of the Old Testament in the book of Judges. Um, and it's, it's even in those difficult circumstances that uh, 
the Lord sustains their faith and their faith endures. So uh, I, I love it's, it's, it's the people, but it's also the circumstances that um, the author of, of Hebrews, the preacher of Hebrews is reminding us. It, they did not live out their faith in easy places. Um, those horrific verses near the end of Hebrews 11 that just talk about the persecution, the scourgings. Like I look at that and I shrink back and I think, how? I mean, if I mean, in in some senses, that's that's your worst fear, right? Like, if I ever end up in those verses, I'm gonna fold, and <laughs> I am gonna be like the worst Christian yeah. ever. Like, I I'm pretty sure I'm gonna run. Um, and you can begin to think like that. But the encouragement is whether it's Abraham wandering, uh, Moses surrounded by treasure, um, Samson, that crazy guy doing crazy sinful things, even his last words, like, let me do, he, he's, he's, he's in, you know, he's subscribed or he's in God's army. Um, but his last words are basically, let me do this for my own eyes. So it doesn't even appear that he got it right at the end. So he didn't, he wasn't nice and tidy and super Christian Samson at the end, um, but he had faith in, in the power of God and in his calling, even though it wasn't perfectly worked out in his mind. Uh, and that helps us get to those final verses where it talks about scourging and imprisonments and stoned and sawn and two, and those dark, dark places of suffering, um, God will sustain us and our faith will endure. Um, and it's it's just a so it's it's more than just being tired. It's being in places where my heart fears to go. I, I fear you know you sometimes fear being surrounded by the temptations that Samson met, or um, you know living and proclaiming the judgment of God like Noah proclaimed uh, to a people who just wouldn't understand it. Why are you building an ark? Um, why are you going to church? Why do you trust Jesus um, to escape from judgment? Uh, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's as crazy as building an ark. Uh, so these circumstances that they find themselves in gives us hope because when we go through this pandemic uh, and some of the inconveniences, and no, this is not persecution um, that we're going through. This is an inconvenience. It's difficult. It's sad because people are suffering. There's confusion because people may disagree with, um, and, and everybody has their own personal um, thoughts on this, about how it's being handled, all of that. Um, it's a time for our faith to grow, to learn, uh, to endure, um, but also to know that God will keep his church because there are people around the world who are actually experiencing persecution um, in places like we read in Hebrews 11, and their faith will endure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on Sunday, David, through talking through these different stories of these different people listed here in the faith chapter, you had described their faith as an enduring faith. You were just talking about that a little bit. And in particular, what an enduring faith looks like, that it tells God stories, that it's a minimalist faith, that it's a humble faith, that it's a joyful faith. Maybe we can just talk for a few moments before we close um, just about these things and how an enduring faith is defined in our situation and our circumstances right now. Yeah, I love, I mean, Hebrews 11 is obviously telling a God story. It's, it's pretty amazing that um, it ends up with actually the gospel story. And I think the faith, 
uh, we not only see the example of Christ, but we also see the, the, our faith in Christ. Um, but one of the things that, that struck me was a minimalist faith. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen these on Netflix or uh, maybe there's, there's other platforms, but it talks about minimal living and people just decluttering their life. Uh, and then you, you have this uh, clutter-free, um, almost bare-looking uh, existence or, or house or living room or whatever it is. Um, and uh, when, when you read Hebrews 12, uh, sin that so easily ensnares, um, lay aside every hindrance. Uh, and I think part of that, um, you could go back to Hebrews 11 and read about potential hindrances or potential sins that could ensnare. Um, and I think uh, a lockdown um, experienced well is to take time to examine if there are sins that ensnare or if there are hindrances in our life that keep us away. I mean, we complain about being shut down, um, but if we can be honest, we're, we're a generation that skips church for all sorts of things. Um, it, takes yeah. a, you know, it takes a birthday party to shut down people going to church um, quite candidly. Um, and now that we're locked mm -hmm. down, we get all upset about it. Um, which is a little ironic for our generation to, you know, to, to be honest. Um, and, and why is that? Because there's things that hinder us. There's things that hinder our reading of the Word of God. There's things that hinder fellowship, um, hospitality, just the gathering of, of God's people. And uh, to be able to, to say, well, what, what is a minimalist faith? Um, is, are there things that are, are keeping me from... God's people from worship, from reading, for, so that my faith does mature, and and I reach out, love God, love my neighbor. Mm -hmm. Byron, maybe maybe in closing, um, can you think of some practical steps forward for those that are listening, and even ourselves, and how we can nurture this kind of faith, even in lockdown, even in a time where you've got to stay at home, there's an actual stay at home order going on right now. But sometimes we can feel like at a loss of what am I going to do? I don't got the church any, like I don't got my church. I, I don't have uh, my regular meetings with people, my regular prayer meeting, whatever it was that I was involved in. And I just, how, how am I going to grow during this, during, during this time? Can you think of anything practical that we could do? It's a good question. Uh, it certainly boils down to what are your opportunities and what are you prepared to do because, as has been pointed out, the church isn't locked down. We can call people, we can email people, we can talk with people, we can go for a walk uh, with somebody in our house. You know, our those opportunities that would be worthwhile? Um, how are we doing in terms of where our priorities are? Are we taking some extra time to pray? And about what? Um, are we just praying for it to all disappear? Or are we praying for God to use this in my life, in my family's life, in our church's life? Um, ironically, the, the verse that was coming to mind is from the beginning of James, which talks about, you know, when you're facing trials, things that are testing your faith, 
be glad about that because that's how your faith grows. So if we talk about growth, it's not like I have to go out and find it somewhere. Sometimes when you're in the middle of it, that's going to be the result of going through this process and, and just reminding yourselves of those truths that God hasn't abandoned me because it's dark. God hasn't forgotten me because I can't see what he's doing. You know, what does it mean to have your faith tested? Well, you're questioning. You're asking, where is God in this? And so it's not necessarily in that case that I've got to go out and do something to grow, but that God is working to cause my faith to grow and deepen and strengthen. He says, so then you'll have perseverance and Perseverance finishes its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And you think, okay, it comes back to God knows what he's doing. To David's message a few weeks ago, this is the good shepherd. He hasn't forgotten you. He's led you into this place and he knows what you need. So I guess part of that is just being open and honest with God about that. And, and asking, looking, what are you doing here? Do you see things? Do your friends maybe see things that you're experiencing? That's all impractical in some ways. Um, it may be a book. It may be a podcast. It may be listening to something. It may be clicking into something online and some of the resources there that will help you. And, and not worrying about next week, though I can understand the temptation there. It's, let's take it one day at a time. I think to, 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 sorry, to build on that, it, what's interesting is this is where I think the church hasn't been helpful um, to people is uh, everything, or people are having to creatively um, and informally uh, reach out to, to, to other people. Or um, it, in other words, we can't depend on programs right now. Um, and sometimes we think, okay, in order for us to, to connect, we need a program. Um, and when programs shut down, I think there's almost something healthy about it. There's something healthy about it for the church because we can reevaluate ministries. Um, but it's also healthy for people because um, we, we can't be dependent upon the church for the programs that they offer, for the ministries that they offer. And we have to creatively, informally, um, because so much ministry and, and so much... Uh, Encouragement we receive, encouragement we give others, um, happens informally. A phone call, um, uh, like Byron said, a, a walk, um, you know, whatever, whatever that might be. So I think there's some good things that come out of this. Tyler? Yeah. 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 No, I think that's, I think that's a great point. And also to uh, Byron's point, I think it is very practical to be thinking of this as God is growing our faith through it and to be just reminded that today is a moment that the Lord is using to grow me closer into the image of Christ. And we read that in the book of Romans, right? That he's using everything for our maturity, for our growth. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And he's using these moments. And like James says, he's growing us through them. Yeah. Even if we can hang on, sorry, even if we can hang on to those words, like we don't shrink back we don't draw back, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we're not destroyed. This will not destroy us. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to start a series in the book of Acts, all the opposition. And interestingly, in the book of Acts, they were very respectful. Um, 
to a very difficult government. Uh, and, and they worked w um, as much as they could within uh, the, the government. Um, but they did not shrink back, and they were not, um, they were not destroyed. In fact, the gospel was spread. Yeah. Now I'm just going to read uh, the last few verses of the book of Hebrews. So after the writer of Hebrews walks us through the messiness of faith and how Christ is our answer, our, our hope, our priest, our king, um, the one who has taken us from this messy life and transferred us to a glorious hope, he writes these words um, in chapter 13, Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.